welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Well, good evening, everyone. I pray that it has been a good week for you so far. If uh, if you're a situation like us, um, we we finally have the lights back on, so that's a good thing. So uh, you may be wondering, okay, uh, Troy, I think you may have missed a week, and yes, I was wondering the same thing. I'm trying to at least do a podcast every other week right now. Again, if we can get things lined out more, if we can build more support, then we'll get to doing it weekly. But uh, I missed last week because we literally, all last week, we had no power. And while I do have a house generator that can run majority of the house, uh, it was it's just some of those things that add to the headache. And I, man, I, I, just, I just don't think I'm going to be able to get a podcast out this week. So I apologize for those of you uh, expecting some um, a mode of normalcy from me. <laughs> It hasn't happened in 2021 yet, but uh, unfortunately, I know there's more people, even in our area, that are still struggling without power. It's been well over seven days. Uh, actually, we're going on day nine, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, so it's tough, you know, when you have temperatures that get down in the single digits at night. Uh, some of uh, some of my neighbors uh, just don't have the ability to to handle that kind. So so we we try to be as neighborly as possible, do what we can do, and. Uh, take care of the power guys that come through <laughs> try to <laughs> try to be as nice to them as possible so they'll stay in the valley and get things done so those of you that uh, I know in the Midwest and in Texas there's still some issues there so uh, pray for praying for you all hope you guys have your power back on soon and things can uh, get back to some sense of normalcy there well Tonight, I've got another um, great episode, a, a good discussion. We're actually trying something a little different. Uh, this is a follow-up interview. So uh, about, it was December of last year, December of 19, not December of 20, December of 19, we had Jonathan Nixarian on from Roman Acres. And he, you know, he it was kind of, his, it was his first time on the podcast. He gave us an overview of his farm, had a good discussion there. Well, I thought it'd be good to come back around a year later and talk to him about it. And just in, in Jonathan actually reached out to me. We got a conversation. I thought, you know, this ought to be a good idea because I, I even went back and listened to our podcast, listened to the interview again, just to say, okay, here's what he was thinking. He was hoping he was going to do. Here was the plan. Did did that happen? How did that go? So I, I thought maybe you guys would find this useful to see. Okay, yeah, you, you kind of get a snapshot of people individually. Uh, when we do this interview, where they are right at this moment, and maybe a little bit of their history. But uh, when, when we talk about plans moving forward, those type of things, I thought it'd be neat to come back and say, okay, actually, how did that unfold? So, so if you want to do something really exciting, you know, go back and listen to Jonathan's podcast first. The first one, like I said, I think it was December the 11th is when it aired. In fact, if I had my stuff together, I would tell you exactly what date that was. And that was actually, I do have it right here. That was episode 29 and it aired December the 11th, 2019. So you can go back and listen to that if you want to put this on pause or if you want to, you know, kind of do a, a, a flashback, you can listen, continue listening to this podcast, then go back and listen to episode uh, 29 and just see how things followed out. 
Well, before we get into the interview, I just wanted to talk real quickly about the Patreon that we launched a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe I announced it on the last podcast episode we did, and we already have some support coming in already. Man, I appreciate that. I, I want to give a shout out to those two individuals first and foremost for you know kind of kind of sticking the neck out. I mean, it's it's one of those things where uh, you know I, I I get it. We all we all have our our hard earned money. We have money and time, and that's about all we have to serve. So it's uh, it's a little tough to uh, to part with that at times. But I appreciate those that have come along already to say, hey, no, we, we want to partner with you. We want to uh, see the podcast and, and the other elements of that grow. And, uh, and we want to throw in some support there. So I want to say thanks to Donna Probert and Jad Bicker for coming on and, and, and taking that chance with me and, and being the first couple to jump in and support. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And man, we've already had some great conversation. Um, and that's really what I, what I want to look at this as, is a collaborative effort that I, I realize that if I just try to manage this whole thing by myself, and of course, you know, run my farm, uh, do the other things I'm doing, you know, still spend time with my family, <laughs> manage my day business. Uh, it just, there's only so much time. And I, and I, I see that uh, I would almost do it a disservice if I, if I just tried to keep all that to myself. So getting the input, getting the support from you all, um, I'd like to see this as a collaborative effort. You know, Dana and Jed both have already given me some great input, some great suggestions. And man, I, I like that. I, I like the idea of, of you all having some skin in the game. That way it, it's, it's, it, it almost feels like your input's more potent, if that makes any sense. And maybe I'm being a little too transparent. It's, it's not all about the money. It's about the buy-in. Yeah, I don't know if, if that registers or not, that, that when you decide to part with some of your hard-earned cash to put an effort into something, then it, it shows me that you're taking it serious. I want to take it more serious. I want to, I want to support uh, your efforts of supporting me. So I want, to, I want to step up and do the things that uh, we agreed we're going to do. And, and make sure that we can follow through on that. So um, I'm not going to you know, beat this horse anymore, but if you want to check it out, uh, there'll be links down in the show notes where you can go to our Patreon page. we got a basic tier for five bucks. Like I said, well, we're doing a little differently where we hit, if we hit the first 20 supporters at any dollar amount, uh, then we'll pull the trigger on specific things and just keep going from there. And that's where uh, input would be great uh, for people to say, hey, Troy, why don't you offer this? Um, if it's something I'm able to do, man, I'll, I'll definitely do it. It's, it's just one of those things I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around what you guys would find valuable from, from this perspective. So, so check that out. Please consider supporting if you would, and uh, we'll keep on plugging along. Well, without further ado, I'm going to jump into our conversation with Jonathan, and I'll catch you guys on the tail end. Um, so what we, ha- what we have is we have Jonathan Nixarian from Roman Acres, in Aiken, South Carolina. So first, I'm going to say welcome, Jonathan, and, and not let you have to hang out there in the wind. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. All right. So when we last, it's like a, um, I feel like I'm doing like the old uh, film noir uh, radio radio station shows. So in our last episode, we talked to Jonathan. This is what was happening. He was on a precipice. No. Uh, so when we last talked to Jonathan, it was actually uh, the recording date pretty much almost lines up exactly. In fact, I think, I have in my notes, Jonathan, that we, we released the episode on the 11th of December, but I think we actually recorded back in October. I have to have to go back and check that. But, but anyway, so uh, a, a, well over a year has passed, and if you want to uh, go back and listen to that episode, it's episode 29. I'll put a link down in our show notes. 
And that was an episode uh, where we introduced Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan and his family were new to Pastured Pigs. It was it was one of those episodes where we're talking to people that are just getting started. So uh, you know, we had some good discussion as to goals, plans, um, you know, challenges he had already faced in that situation. So so now a full calendar year has passed, and then there's all kinds of things that have, I'm sure have unfolded in that last year. So. Before I uh, start squeezing all these questions out of Jonathan, let me say, Jonathan, so bring us up to speed. Anything changed um, massively? You, you are still in pig farming, right? You haven't decided to quit and go sell uh, Amway products or anything? Uh, thought about it, as I'm sure many have. No, we, uh, when we last spoke, we had two boars and, uh, or sorry, two skeletons and a boar. Um, and now we're up to seven, uh, eight pigs total. Uh, we have four sows, three gilts, and a four. Okay, that's, so that's that's a pretty big move then. So did uh, did all that stock come out of your uh, spring farrowing that we were talking about last year, or did you go out and acquire more Burks? Um, so one, one we kept, and then we acquired uh, two others, and then two that a gentleman we sold a, a boar to, uh, unfortunately, had to get out of pig. Uh, he was doing, you know, running a, a polyculture and kind of got a permaculture, and one part of his business took off. And he's like, I, I need to step out of pig. And uh, so we bought his stock from him, which was at the time with two barrows, the gilt a boar we had sold him, and uh, and two uh, gilt and a sow. Hmm. So we kind of took all that on board, and that kind of really jump-started our expansion. Yeah, wow, okay. So, <clears throat> so again, to do the, the cliff notes, so you don't have to, if you're, if you're not going to go back, or obviously you haven't listened to episode 29, and you don't remember, just the cliff notes is, uh, Jonathan and his family are in Aiken, South Carolina, on 21 acres, uh, currently using about three and a half of that for pigs, I believe, and they chose the Berkshire breed is what they were focusing on, they had a boar and two gilts when we talked to them, and at that point we we were actually I believe when we were talking, Jonathan, you were you were wondering if maybe even one of your gilts had settled yet because it was just getting to the point where the boar was starting to uh, to step up to the plate and do do his job there, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he he was a, uh, a February. He was born in February of last year. Yeah. Okay. So he was coming up on that that age. Okay, so did those two, I assume then, at least one of those gilts settled for the fact that you have that many pigs. <laughs> yeah, so, so both settled. They actually gave birth uh, six days apart. Hmm. All right. Uh, we had uh, the second one gave birth uh, Thursday, March 12th, and Friday the 13th that morning. Um, we had one litter of 12 and one litter of 10. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know... That was right when the COVID pandemic hit, and if we would have had a hundred piglets, we, we wouldn't have been able to move them. Right. We wouldn't have been able to get have you know they they, they were flying off the shelf. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, so we we my wife and I chose to keep one. Um, and then um, like I said, I sold some some registered. Um, some is just feeders, some is uh, registered, well, two registered boars, one to a friend up in Maryland, and then one to a gentleman uh, in North Carolina, and he ended up having to get out. So he had a, a sow, one of her gilts, and two barrows, and we took those on. And then uh, 
a gentleman about two hours north of me had bought a bread gilt from Flying K Berkshire's, and he had a gilt, and I got, I so I picked that up, and then I got another one up in, from uh, Kentucky, you know, just all up and down the East Coast, yeah. finding that, I'm finding that uh, registered more of the meat, meat lines, uh, I think I've kind of tapped the local area out for separate lines, but I think we're at a place, too, where we're just kind of kind of going to grow our own, keep it in-house. Yeah, yeah, okay, so good. So uh, so let's back up and talk about those first fairwings. Uh, so you said uh, two litters, 12 and 10. So uh, were all those viables at 100% uh, to weaning, or did you have any issues there? Uh, so the first, the first litter, we had one stillbirth. Um, the other the remaining nine made it to weaning. Um, the second litter of 12, one... <laughs> Or two didn't make it through the first night. One got crushed. I think one wandered off. I'm not positive. I didn't stay outside all night. Um, and then another one got, uh, I found it half consumed. I don't know what did it. Um, but so we ended up, I think everything said and done was 19. Yeah, okay. Interesting. And those are uh, first time first time guilt so I was, I was pretty happy with that yeah so how did the how did the guilts do how well their mother and mothering instincts were those were those are i assume are those two guilts still as sales now are they still on the farm and ready to produce or did you move on with them uh no we kept them uh they were great um one of them a puppy dog came if a pig squealed she'd run over but that was it not not a sign of aggression um you know more when i say run over just kind of see what's going on, then wander off. Uh, her sister, a little more, uh, little more parental, and would ask, wouldn't stop until the squealing stops kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, both are great. Uh, they both uh, got, they both settled again, and we had one litter September, and we had one litter, two litters in September from the, from them. Unfortunately, one we that one of the hurricanes that went through uh, dumped six and a half inches at the same time, and we unfortunately lost that whole litter. Oh wow! Um, well, we had a litter of dogs born and a litter of pigs born at the same time. Yeah. And so uh, only one person, and so I was in both places, and uh, the two of them I was able to pull. They were cold, brought them inside, warmed them up, gave them some goat's milk, and we donated them to uh, the local. FFA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the kids at the high, local high school support some kids that do it for a 4-H project. So was that was that a flooding issue or was that an exposure issue? Uh, it was a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, where she picked, it pulled up in about six and a half inches of water. Oh, wow, yeah. So uh, I actually didn't find how many she had for two or three days later once all the water receded. Um. On one hand, I was really bummed. I mean, I say bummed because it's, you know, time plus plus drama kind of thing. Uh, but she had the litter at 16, which is really good numbers for a bird. Um, downside is, you know, unfortunately, only two survive. Right. Um, and we knew she was due. We just didn't expect her. I had her pegged for another two days. So I, it was just bad, bad luck, bad planning on my part. 
Well, and that's, I mean, obviously six and a half inches of rain all at once is a little tough to manage, especially in, uh, you know, in, in flat ground where you, you don't have a high ground necessarily to go to very easily without having to change your whole operation. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. understandable. There's you know, a lot of issues like that pop up. Okay, so, um, so wow, it, there's sounds like there's there's a lot there to unpack. So, the success with those two gelds now, Sal's throwing a litter of 16 second time around. That's definitely definitely makes her a keeper. Of course, you don't know, necessarily know how many of those were viable, but it sounds like most of them were. Um, so, it sounds like she's she's definitely a keeper. Um, but you talked about um, when we talked last year, you talked about your farrowing setup that you were thinking about um, a smaller pen area there. Did you end up cording them off? How did you how did you manage uh, shelter, or did you just let them uh, farrow open pasture since you're so far south? Well, we have I made like a four uh, four by three like lean to mm-hmm. uh, walled in on three sides. Um, we her sister who gave birth very end of September into October, we had actually put in there. At the time, it wasn't backed by hard fence. And she decided to go into the neighbor's 200 acres to, to Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, she had 15. Wow. Uh, of which 12 made it. Okay. Uh, and we moved them with some, the help of some marshmallows, moved her and them back after they were about a week old. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I've discovered that as well, that... Um, when I want two sows to be in, in the farrowing barn because that seems convenient for me, it has to be hard wall because there's, if they decide, hey, this is too close for me to have uh, you know, my litter beside so-and-so, I'm, I'm out of here. And, and I've seen them go right through fence, um, the electric, non-electric. If they can get through it, they can get through it. Yeah, so I actually, after I moved them in, I part finished. There's only three of the walls on that were, uh, or three of the sides were hard hard fence now it's fully hard fence yeah yeah good deal all right well that's good that uh she didn't go too far and and everything turned out well there so that sounds like yeah those are both of those are, are good litters uh from from those burks so they've, they've definitely proven themselves sounds like your your boar and your and your two uh sows now are are, are proven and should be getting some yeah. good good future uh, litters out of that so you've brought in some additional genetics so what was your other than convenience and like you said trying to isolate some some uh, meat lines what was the motivation to bring in more at that point um so i i kind of wanted to start a lot bigger than we did um there's definitely the demand around here mm. uh, but it was kind of a availability and finding what we wanted uh as far as the other two it wasn't planned uh just the, it was one of those opportunities arose kind of thing. Um, at the time, we had two open butcher slots, and we're short two pigs. Uh, so the two barrows that were also thrown into the, the mix, you know, instantly, uh, I was instantly able to find customers for. And so I only had them on, on farm for a month yeah. before they went out right out the door. So that was, that was a good turnaround from my point of view there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um and as far as, uh, you know, a, a year and a half old or a two-year-old sow, uh, that's, you know, after, you know, a quarantine period, making sure, you know, she's not bringing any sickness, that's almost, instant, you know, I don't have to wait the year plus to, to grow her out. Yeah. And so that was kind of the thought process there. Um, the farm that they had gotten those things from, a 
originally was a farm I was talking to. It's just they're up more your ways up in they're actually in Virginia, not West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a long drive. So it's kind of a yeah. This is a, this is a decent deal. I can give it a shot. Yeah. All right. So so remember again. Do you say you had do you have two boars now, or you have three boars now on farm? We have one boar. Oh, one. Okay. Okay. We're looking. At, we're looking into getting another one, but that's not been decided yet. Okay. Okay. So. So you got the one boar that you have right now. So are you are you setting up a breeding schedule? Or are you kind of letting him kind of hang out with everybody and he decides when when breeds? And you're or do you have a, a process in place? Right now they all they're all kind of in the same pen. Um, the plan is to have it so that we can move them to him or vice versa. Um, I, I'd like to. We're actually in the process. The materials are on the farm. I set up a second pen, about two and a half acres on the other side of the property. Hoping the distance helps with that. That way we don't encourage jumping through fences. Right, yeah. Because um, obviously, uh, you know, we had we had a litter last week. Not the ideal time to have a litter. Not a big market for wieners right now. Mm. So... Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Even I'm sure even down south where you are that uh, there's not as much of a market right now. So you, you said something earlier that um, made me raise an eyebrow because it's interesting. And I, and I love I love the fact that we're kind of doing this um, this checkup again because when we talked last time, and, and for those of you listening, I did go back and listen to the podcast again, so I made sure I was at least asking the, um, the right questions about the right farm and didn't confuse them. But uh, last time, Jonathan had said to me that um, he wasn't sure about his market. You know, uh, he was, he was kind of, he was going to be uh, selective. He was going to be careful going forward, kind of just you know, stick his toe in the water with these two gilts. And you weren't sure about a market there, Jonathan, but it sounds like that the market has indeed opened up. Do you think that is... Uh, is natural or is that all COVID related? And, and maybe if when COVID goes away, there will be uh, maybe a, a pullback. What, what's your assessment so far? Uh, as far as like for wean pig to grow out your own, I think a lot of that is COVID. I don't know how much of that'll that'll stay around. I know one guy bought six uh, wieners for me, and what? And just in discussion, he also ordered I think a hundred Cornish cross the same week. And all the, you know, the toilet paper shortage kind of flicked the switch in his head that this dependence on commercial ag maybe isn't, and the, and the grocery supply chain maybe isn't the best path forward for him and his family. Um, I think some of those people will stick around. I think you'll get the people that might do it a season, maybe two, and then back out. Um, and that's kind of been the, the catalyst for us to not be, you know, oh, let's get 20 new gilt. And, uh, is, you know, a lot of mouth to feed. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, yeah, this, this is for all of us, and me included, I, I think looking at any uptick we had this year, we have to weigh that uh, carefully, simply because with, with COVID, it could be a result of, like you said, the, the people feeling there's an immediate need to do something, and this knee-jerk reaction to respond to a, a global crisis so if things go back to normal, unfortunately, a lot of people have shortened memories. So when things go back to whatever normal looks like, when if and when that happens, we, we may see a return, you know, that slide coming down, or we may even see a, 
an overstock of, of animals simply because other people have not uh, planned accordingly to see that demand drop. So, um, wow, there's, there's so many other questions I want to ask. So infrastructure, the last year, what infrastructure improvements have you made uh, when it comes to, uh, because I think you expanded, right? You said you're on three and a half acres now of your 21, but I believe you weren't, you weren't on that much last year, correct? No, uh, originally we were probably only in a, a 50 by 50 area, which we then expanded around the, uh, where we had the chicken coop. Um, since then, that's been torn down, and uh, we expanded throughout our woods. Um, and that was, again, you know, my wife's a school teacher, so she was home during all that. And so I had, you know, an able body that could help. And so a lot of that was, you know, with everyone home, it was so much easier to get things done in a, in a much, much faster time period. So we got that all done, I think, back in March. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, that that's that's a big. I mean, my goodness, that that's such an accomplishment, and you, you feel like you you're getting a better handle on your operation when you have that expanded opportunity. You put some of that infrastructure in that makes handling and maneuvering a little easier. And uh, you know, in in our discussion last year, you talked about you know, even issues with uh, with your all's dogs, maybe you're tearing the fence down, doing some of these things, and you had you, you were polyculture at the time, so you had cattle and other things that were kind of just really running you ragged and it seems like with experience, you put the infrastructure in place that keeps those from being issues, I assume. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we uh, we, upped our, we upgraded our fence charger, our energizer. And, you know, there's been a couple, couple learning. The learning curve was steep with uh, APs for a little bit. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, we went from, we had the blue, blue barrel for water, the IBC tote. Um, they're a lot harder to tip over for, you know, big, big old bow of guilt. So makes it a lot easier to manage. Yeah, yeah. Any other infrastructure improvements you made other than your fence and your waters? Um, I think so. We added when we uh, when we did expand the area, we put a gate, uh, another gate in, which is just easier to approach. Uh, wasn't really thinking, you know, ahead when I placed it as far as other trees or obstructions from backing up to it. Um, that's, I think that's the big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all those all those little improvements, man, they, they definitely help. And, and especially uh, when, you, when you figure out a plan and say, okay, I think this is going to work, you execute, and uh, then you see the, the fruits of that labor, the, the fact that they're able to stay in a spot or be able to move from point A to point B well. Um, so what, what assessments, you know, looking back, kind of like the year in the review here. So you look back and say, this year proved to be extra challenging because of X. So what, what, what challenges did you find to be, um, to be there simply because of just, just because of your expanded operation or COVID related, but, but what, what challenges did you run into that you weren't expecting? Um, so I say it. Tongue in cheek, we you know we had our first we, we've uh, loaded pigs twice now, uh, just for different butchering dates. Um, the second time was so much smoother, um, but the first time I thought you know if I rigged some hog panels, and latched in place, I didn't think you know they can see through it. They're going to try and get through it. Yeah. Um, and so it, it literally ended up uh, 
than we are. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, I also learned shut the electric fence off before you do that. <laughs> a little, 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 little trick that I don't write down in the book, in the, in the instructional guides there. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and that's funny. I, I think... Wow, I think what you said is is key, and for those listening that are just getting started or maybe thinking about sticking their toe in the water, that you can see, you can hear, you can even watch on YouTube people that have this setup where they back a livestock trailer up to the edge of the pasture fence for a couple days. They're feeding their pigs in the trailer. The pigs walk up in there, and it's a cakewalk. And you're like, well, that's easy. Why are all these people whining and complaining about being able to load pigs easily? And that may work out. It, you may work out a majority of the time, but there's always going to be that time where that doesn't work. And without hard fence, without uh, corrals, without choke down points, those type of things, I think you're setting yourself up for, for a kick in the, in the face sometimes simply because um, when, usually when you're loading your pigs, you have it, you're on a time schedule. You've got to get your pigs to process her to keep from missing a date. And, and man, I had to learn that the hard way. I did the exact same thing you said. Hey, some some woven wire, some this and that, and feed buckets, they should go right up in there. Eh, that didn't work out. So, yeah, you, you have to learn how to put that infrastructure in, and, and even if you think it's simple or if it's proven to be simple the first time, then uh, just, just expect things to be different the next time. Oh, absolutely. The, the first time uh, we had just gotten the trailer like, serviceable maybe two days prior, so we didn't, we'd never fed in it before or anything like that. Um, the partitions weren't up in the two and a half or almost three acres, so you know our our bore was on the on the trailer and not letting them anyone else in. Right, right. Uh, so there, so stuff like the the second time, you know, they were in back in that little fifty by fifty square, and they'd been fed, they'd been fed for two or three days on the trailer and then held feed for a day, and I, I think start to finish it was you know five minutes. Right. The second time. Uh, but the first time was probably close to five hours for two pigs, so it was a, it was a lot of lot of memories there. Right, definitely, yeah, and and I think in my situation, um, yeah, I, I borrow a livestock trailer, so it's tough for me to say, okay, you know, four or five days in advance, I'm gonna I'm gonna park a livestock trailer here and, and let them eat, you know, come in and out, and all that type of thing. You know, usually, not an opportunity. So, yeah, being able to figure out exactly how that operation is going to work. And yeah, again for those for those listening, don't don't do like I did when you get pigs. You think okay, I'm gonna put pigs on pasture, figuring out how to load them up. You know that's six eight months down the road. I'll I'll jump off that bridge when I get to it, and then before you know it, you're scrambling to come up with some sort of infrastructure there. All right. Yeah. So um, so we talked about challenges. Is there anything that you that that you really felt was hey there, this was a goal this was something I really wanted to try to do and man I, I think we had great success here what what's one of the home runs maybe y'all hit this year um, butchering a lot of processing days uh, I think you know some of it's probably listening to the podcast and really staying in tune with the you know 15 or 20 different pig groups on Facebook um, back in March when this all started happening I reached out to scheduled uh, butcher day. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I could. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had really, really good, uh, we used two different butchers. One's a, a custom, one was a USDA butcher. Uh, really good experience with both of them. Uh, everyone's been really pleased with all their cuts, which, you know, that, that, that matters 
Absolutely. Please. Um, got a lot of pictures of people. Hey, we had ham on Thanksgiving because we had one, you know. Uh, that was really fun. Um, and just for me personally, I think uh, the first barrowing we had, we we came home and barrowing. And so my my 15 year old son, you know, not the farmer, he's not going to take it over when I when I move move on. I can tell you that. He stayed out there the whole time, completely invested, asking a lot of questions. You know, when we had the stillborn, he kind of, he, he, he took it pretty rough, but he asked a lot of really good questions. He wanted to go bury it. Um, and, you know, that, that's one of the things I really value about this is getting the kids outside. Because um, it's really easy to fall, fall into sitting in front of the TV, watch a movie or play video games and getting them involved outside. So that, that's that been the big thing, I think, for us. Is we, we're, you know, we're doing things as a family outside together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that investment that, that isn't directly tangible, but um, is going to pay dividends in the long run, definitely. Yeah. So um, looking at at some other things here, what about uh, so, so you, the takeaways from 2020, as weird as it was, what do you see in 2021? What is what is the goal? What's the next step for Roman Acres? What's on the short list and what's on the long list? Uh, the short list is we're trying to uh, get our you know social media marketing going mm-hmm. uh, and all the analytics uh, because you can have a hundred pigs if you don't have a hundred customers or some variable that equals a hundred. You know it's, it's not good at the end of the day. Right. Um, and so we're working on kind of. That we, we have a domain. We've never done anything with it. So, you know, uh, people are looking for the product. Um, but if you don't pop on a search or a query, it doesn't matter. And yeah. We're really pushing, trying to push that side of it. And then um, a local restaurant recently opened up. They're looking for, you know, local farm to table stuff. And so trying to engage with them and you know, they, they, they do the call to action, and then you wait. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And then uh, we've really uh, tried to make connections with the local uh, FFAs at the high schools, uh, get connected with them. I think that's, uh, A, good for the kids, B, good for us, if, you know, recognition. Uh, you know, people see this is where you can get pigs. Um, and then just... Uh, slowly build that customer base. Word of mouth is probably the best way i found. Um, half of our customers have come from that way. Some of it was, you know, neighbors or friends and then their neighbors and friends. And so just keep keep taking care of those that are taking care of us. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That, that's great. So what's on the long-term list then? Uh, I want to buy the 60 acres that's behind us. Hmm. There you go. And uh, and uh, I, I like this. I would love to do this full time, uh, but that's a that's a matter of scale, and we're not. You know, I don't think unless you get really lucky, you don't necessarily fall into that. And so it's just a, it's a build slow building process. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. No, I, I think it's great to have those long term goals. And my goodness, if if property acquisition fits into your model financially and keeps you from being way over leveraged, then then that's that's never um, a mistake. Usually, again, unless you're keeping yourself from uh, being able to do other things, but uh, you can do so much with with property, 
when it comes to this effort or even a, a, another effort. And my goodness, right now, property values just seem to keep going up and up. So, man, yeah, if you, yeah. Can, if you can factor that in and, and that would, what, uh, three times the size of your existing property right now. So that would be a that could be a game changer for you all. Excellent. So that's, so yeah. So it's you know wanting to do it and having the availability to do it are kind of not lined up right now. Yeah. No, that is. That's just something you keep your eye on. That's for sure. Yeah, because uh, the land will always be there. It's it's the motivating the people one way or the other to sell it is is always the issue. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I do have to ask you one more question, too, because I kind of chuckled about this when I listened to our, our podcast earlier this week from last year. So it sounded like, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth here, or at least try not to, but it sounded like that maybe last year your wife was a little apprehensive about pigs coming <laughs> on farm. Uh, there were comments made uh -huh. about when the pigs were on the back porch, that was kind of a, a mark against you. When the pigs were at the neighbors, that was a mark against you. Uh, when you were getting on the tractor chasing pigs down down the street, that was a kind of a mark against you. And you said that, I think I'll be able to convince her when she tastes bacon, when she gets that sausage, when she has that first pork chop. So how did that work out for you? Uh, so she's on board. Um, she's actually been the one pushing to get a second board. Yeah. To, uh, to, so, you know, we can have uh, we can have unrelated piglets uh, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that was piglet. You know, never underestimate the power of a child <laughs> or a baby animal. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, uh, not to, uh, to push any stereotypes or anything, but right. uh, she absolutely loved the, the piglet. Um, and then, you know, when you're able to hand feed a piglet from, you know, two or three weeks old, when they're six months old, they're really friendly. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, we have one that'll she'll flop over and let your belly rub it. Um, and so that's, that's a big, that was a big push there. And uh, the fact that, you know, we were positive in book and didn't have, you know, 30 extra pigs running around that we didn't want also helped. Right, right. Yeah. Good deal. So it sounds like she is on board and even even there encouraging you to uh, continue and to grow and to expand your operation. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And her, uh, her parents now even go around bragging about it. At first they were like, yeah, you know, our, our kids got some pigs. And since then, you know, it's, they brag about it. You know, grandpa loves coming and helps move pigs. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what they say, you know, behind every successful farmer is a spouse with a day job and usually a nursing degree. <laughs> so, so that's great, man. Awesome. That, that's good that that's uh, working out in that direction. Uh, sounds like she is, is definitely on board. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying about the, the baby pigs. Uh, I, I think that's the glorious mystery of pigs is this, this incredible transition from cute to tasty. And they really don't overlap too well. I mean, I, I guess maybe you know, suckling pig is still pretty doggone good, but uh, but usually when, once they cease being cute, that's when they really become tasty. So <laughs> it's a good transition. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so um, I think we've I think we've covered a lot of my questions there, and then we've talked about future plans. And of course, I usually always close out the podcast with asking you a question about what's your favorite thing about raising pigs on pasture. Has I don't know if you remember your answer, but has that changed? Do you have you found even new, uh, interesting or exciting aspects of raising pigs on pasture? Uh, I you know I, I really think it's 
pretty much still the same. I, I like being out there with them. Um, I like getting the family out there, um, especially, you know, the, the eldest gets into, you know, we, we have an angsty teenager now. Um, getting him to willingly engage with anything the family is doing is, is, is a high call. So uh, we were actually uh, castrating um, over the weekend, and, you know, he's out there helping. And I think that maybe not, not the high point of dealing with pigs, but uh, getting the family out there is awesome. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I can't say that um, that either of my teenage boys would have said, you know, castration is the favorite time of year on, on the farm. I really like that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, def- definitely not. Um, but, you know, at the same time, he, he comes out and he helps. Um, and so that, like I said, that's, that's really neat. Uh, from a dad, you know, not to get corny and be, you know, dad, but, you know, getting the kids out there and helping out and working together is really good. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, again, I, you know, not to get like to get on that sentimental train as well, but you know, with teenage, you know, both of my boys are teenagers now. One's in college, but still stays at home because of COVID. Um, but this, you, know, you, you realize, okay, you know, these times are short. You know, I, I've, if I want to spend time with them outside doing stuff that that I love and hopefully that they at least tolerate. You'd have some of that quality bonding time. You, know, you only have so much of that, and it's it's great to be able to do that when you can, and and especially if it's a, if it's a positive time. Sometimes I get them out there, and I'm I'm losing my mind because something's not going the way I want to. So, <laughs> so it's like I think I just guaranteed they're never going to have a farm once they leave. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well John- I, like, I, uh, I have photos. My daughter over the summer, you know, the pig made a wallow, and my daughter's rolling around in it with like the pigs. I'm like, what are you doing? Which, you know, I got photos of it, you know. That's hilarious. So, you know, good time. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where no matter what your kids grow up to do, and this is for everybody listening that has kids or in that situation, no matter what they grow up to do, they're going to be they're going to be in a, a very small minority to say, yeah, when I, when I was at home, we did this with, with pigs. You know, we raised our own meat. You know, most likely they're going to be in that minority unless they get a bunch of around other farm kids. But it's going to be a very unique experience for them, and hopefully it's a positive experience that uh, helps them somewhere on down the road whether they decide to farm or not. Well, man, I appreciate you coming back on. It was it was a pleasure talking to you. I, I like this approach of, of kind of following up. I hope I wasn't grilling you too much to to nail you down on things yeah. you said a year ago and you know, how they came through. But I, I think it's kind of fun to look at that and say, you know, the best laid plans. We all have them, and, and how do they work out? If you know, fortunately you didn't come on and say it was crash and burn, and I'm now divorced and living you know in a hotel down by the river. <laughs> so. it, it, one. One pig almost caused that while you joke. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, those times can come along. Well, all right, man. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely stay in contact with you and you get um, you get a website up or, or details like that. I think for those listening, y'all check out Roman Acres on Facebook because Jonathan is providing registered Burks. So that is just another source there in, in South Carolina to look at. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure he'd love to talk to you about that if, if you're looking for that specific breed and you wanted something that's uh, that's documented. Well, Jonathan, I uh, pray you have a great rest of the week and uh, this uh, this litter goes well. 
fortunately in South Carolina, you're, you're not uh, going to be dealing with extreme cold for a while, it sounds like, and may not even any at all. So uh, hopefully that litter does well this winter and, and grows, grows big and you get them moved. And here's the hoping on the weather. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, man, well, you take care. Have a good day. Well, all right. Well, there's some uh, good follow-up there. I hope you guys appreciated that and enjoyed that conversation. Um, I did find that interesting. If um, And I, I want to throw that opportunity out to some of y'all that have been on. We're, I think we're episode 60 now is what this one actually is. So um, if I'm doing my math right, then there should be 59 other. <laughs> actually, I guess there were some where I was doing solo. But if you've been on the podcast before and you're listening to this and you think there's some value in coming back and doing a follow-up, reach out to me. And let's let's put some parameters here. So let's say it's at least been a year, and, uh, and then uh, we'll make that uh, option number one. You've at least been a year since you've been on the podcast. We can have a, a full season there of update, maybe. And, of course, we'll spread these out. We want to just keep coming back and, and doing back-to-back follow-ups because we've got some other great uh, things lined up and and some other topics to discuss. But I'd like to do this every once in a while to kind of dangle that uh, that carrot, that, that glimpse at, uh, at some of those uh, operations that were maybe at a really neat transition or had some had some big plans for the next year. Obviously, COVID, is, it may have changed a lot of those things. So it, it may be a good idea to discuss those and just see uh, how that affected you know, your farm operation in the last year. So reach out to me. You can obviously just email me, Troy, at redtoolhouse.com. Or just go to the website, uh, Pastured Pig. <laughs> oh, there we go. Letting it go. Website's not there yet. The, we have the domain. We have the location. We have the server set up. We, we, don't, we don't have it live yet. But uh, redtoolhouse.com, Pastured Pig Podcast. Use that form and you can uh, communicate with me that way. Well, if you're listening to this and you'd like to be on the podcast, even if you hadn't been before, uh, obviously I'm welcoming the opportunity to have more people on. Uh, I was actually doing an interview that will air in a couple months uh, tonight before recording this. This is where all this time stuff freaks me out. I can't keep it all straight in my mind. But um, in that situation, um, he had uh, this individual had a lot of great suggestions, a lot of uh, uh, great ideas. So uh, feel free if you want to be on the podcast and you're not sure that maybe you're a a possible candidate. A little secret here. I've not told anyone no yet. Now, if you're a uh, circus, circus juggler or something like that, and you're not dealing with pastured pigs, then uh, that would probably be my first no. But if you have anything to do with raising pigs on pasture, in any scope of the matter, even if you feel that you're a noob or you've been doing it for 4,000 years, give me a shout. I'll have you on the podcast. I'm still just having a great time discussing these things with uh, all kinds of people in different walks of life. I talked to tonight. He's 20 years younger than me, so I felt uh, felt like the old man here listening to a young man. I was, was kind of jealous, like, man, if I could be 20 years younger again. But anyway, enough of that. I'm going to wrap up. So before I do, obviously, be sure to check out the Patreon. Uh, again, can't stress that enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get NPR on you and, and do a old fundraising podcast episode or anything like that, but I will be throwing it out here as we go along just to try to see if we can get this going. But uh, I'm anxious to, uh, to reveal some of the other plans that we have and I'd love to see those come to fruition uh, if you guys are on board with me as well. Pray everyone has a great week out in the pasture. And if your power's off, I pray that you get it back on soon. And we had a almost 60 degree day today, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting spring fever already. Well, take care, everybody. 
We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.